welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 144. I'm your host, and with me is my regular host, Jackson. Gaming! It's gaming time. We don't have a game club. In fact, the game club is next week. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, we're doing Chrono Cross with our friend Neve, who loves Chrono Cross. And Neve's got a kid and a heart out, um, which means we can't go for three hours. Unfortunately, I finished Chrono Cross a month ago and have spent the last month gaming. And I was like, I think the segment one might be an hour in itself if I'm just allowed to fill the time. And so we decided to break out that segment one into the podcast you're about to listen to now. Yeah, it's going to be looser than a normal segment one. We're not going to like rigidly say, I play this and I play this. Uh, yeah. So well, one, a- you don't have you don't have 11 games. I have 11 games. No, I have like two games. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, apologies for me just talking about uh, 11 video games for 45 minutes to an hour. Welcome um, to uh, this uh, new format of a normal mapping, our topical video game news podcast. This will be the most like idle thumbs core we've ever been. PS5 has no games. Uh, there's a Sony thing next week. Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not going to be able to talk about it. It's true. We will this come out. They're going to show. They're going to show every game you've ever wanted. PS5 will bring your dad back. <laughs> There was that one post going around <laughs> yes. that had like the PlayStation 5 Sony event going to have like uh, Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy 7 Re- Rebirth, uh, Spider-Man 2, uh, Ghost of Tsushima 2, Dragon Age 4, uh, GTA 6. Is Ghost of Tsushima 2 like an, an announced video game? No! Okay. Because I was like, it seems kind of early for them to like have another one of those right off the bat. Um, that game is four years old. Yeah, but I am like another two years until that comes out. Yeah, I mean, I, I would the, probably if agree. they immediately rolled in making a second one, two more years. Uh, I would probably agree. I assume that's one that is, and there will definitely be a second one because it was huge. Yeah, um, I don't know how that game ends, but it's going to be very funny to try to, you know, and then the and then the fucking came back. Like I don't know if the game ends historically in a way where you can do a sequel. Well, but, thankfully, it's called Ghost of Tsushima, so you can do whatever you want. If that guy died, he can just be a ghost. Um, if he's already a ghost i don't really know the plot of ghost of shima i have no idea but i'm gonna make a get bet right now that he dies tragically at the end of their fake samurai movie podcast nobly defending japan oh yeah i'm gonna that, that's that's a prediction i'm waiting to make i have no idea because i don't care about the video game ghost of tsushima kurosawa mode stupid yeah fair enough um so do you want to get into it yeah we got games we can just yeah talk a bit loosely all right so I missed this one last uh, abnormal mapping. So this one is literally from like two months ago. I played Until Dawn, the the horror, the bad horror movie simulator. You did. You played that about seven years ago. Um, and I say bad in that it's a simulator of a bad horror movie. Um, I actually like Until Dawn, despite everything about the story of Until Dawn, which is, um, well, it gets very racist <laughs> is the main thing. It sure does. Um, seemingly I with I was, no cause why yeah I, I thought it was like i'm like oh yeah there's some weird stuff around like the characters of color in the story and like there's some like native mysticism and then the fucking villain of until dawn is a wendigo and you're like oh you shouldn't have done that really shouldn't have done that yeah um i enjoyed it quite a bit um it's a really silly game that asks you to hold a bunch of weird tensions in your head about like playing it correctly versus playing like in like a gamer sense versus playing it like it's a slasher movie, but also what kind of slasher movie it is varies too much to like, if this is just a creepy guys in the house, you, you, I would, I, the, the story plays out differently than if there's ghosts in the woods, than if it's like an actual vengeance based on all the things the kids did last year, which there's a bit of that too in there. Um, 
and it never quite settles until it becomes shotgunning 800 golems. Uh, <laughs> and that's when the game said it's worst is when there's a whole chapter where the guy's just running around shotgunning Wendigos who look like golems, like big golems, or there's a big golem and there was eight of them and he had to shoot them all with shotguns. Um, I love that, that like terrible. The, the, the game sets itself up when, and there's like this tension narratively and that like you don't play as any of the characters, you play as the player who's like direct yeah. also like the director of the movie you know you're making like narrative yeah. choices and framing things but also you know you don't have enough context to truly make the decisions uh and it's like playing in the space of is this like scream or is this like a halloween situation or is this like a friday 13 situation I guess yeah that other thing and all those tensions there and the answer is it's eight golems who are racist <laughs> like yeah. And you know it's, like, uh, it's like oh when it's when it's like the strangers i'm like that movie's fine and when it's uh when it's friday 13th i'm like that movie's fine and when it's uh i know what you did last summer i'm like i like that movie a lot less but like fine whatever and then it turns into the descent and i was like oh you never should turn into the descent the descent is fucking terrible uh that's so true yeah and um, when i think um, about until dawn i always think about that uh uh that article about one of the characters written by uh x games journalist patrick klepek um <laughs> is it is it about the uh the lady everyone hates yeah it was like this woman deserves to die and i need to see her die and it, and it was like and clearly written tongue-in-cheek of like this is a slasher movie the moral lens of slasher movies is that like you set up characters who you want to see get got and this game is about engineering situations where that happens to the characters you like decided yeah. for uh she's so got, she's she yeah, I remember like, the discourse was like, it was, you know, he's going, oh, this woman deserves to die. And that was like a so whole yeah, day. She's, oh, yeah, she's like the awful rich girl who's just kind of like catty and short with everyone and bratty. Obviously one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I think she's great. Um, she's got this awful, uh, she's got this boyfriend that she's just henpecked to death. Who's like the football guy. Um, who's just a very nice boy who has no business being in the rest of the story. Because <laughs> um, everyone in this movie, uh, or movie, everyone in this game, uh, it feels like they're like 24 playing a teenager um, and uh, and are just the worst people in the world other than this guy. Um, and the other like aspect of this that's kind of weird is that she's like an Asian character and her boyfriend's like the one black guy. And so it just adds a weird coding when they're like the ones who are mean to all of our white cast. Oh, no. Or her specifically, I guess. Um which I'm sure Klepek's piece did not get into, but uh, there was, was a lot of people being like, I hate this lady. They're like, oh, if you hate this lady, you're being misogynist. And it's like the horror movies are about watching horrible people die. But also I love the horrible. I love the mean girl character. She's great. I, honestly, she should be meaner. She's actually a little too nice. There's another mean girl in this that's like would be all right, but she gets got really early regardless of what you do. So mm-hmm. either she dies or she's just like absconded with and shows up at the very end of the movie or movie. I keep saying movie. Um, it does good. It does do a good job of being a direct DVD horror movie from the aughts, which is a terrible flavor of horror movie, but I have a fondness for it. Um, anyway, my thing is, if you want to see Until Dawn and you're like a baby and like, I don't want to play a scary game. I don't think it's particularly scary, but I understand as someone who has a hard time with horror games. Um, the uh, Range Touch Let's Play of it is very good and goes into detail Um about the weird tensions of how do you play a game where you're asked to inhabit characters, but also be a directing force of a narrative about those characters being destroyed and having a lot of fun with the goofiness of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a, I, I, I played the game and then I watched the LP and they were both great times. Yeah. They, they inexplicably do way worse the game than I did. And I didn't even think I did that good. Um, but I did have the worst thing happen at the end where at the very end, you're like the, the head Wendigo's in, in the house with all the surviving characters and the, the, the tough guy who's uh, like 
Ben, the, he's the one who's shotgunned all the golems, and uh, Hayden Pinotaire, who's Hayden Pinotaire, that's her job in the in this plot. Kyrie, um, yeah, are here to uh, like doing the big face off, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to turn on the gas, and then you 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 set it off, and we'll blow up the house and kill the the Wendigo." And so he turns on the gas. The Wendigo like traps him, and I was like, "Okay." Clearly, my goal here is because it's like turn on the gas or go help him. I'm like, we well, turn on the gas and he'll sacrifice himself, but everyone else will get out while he's bravely sacrificing himself. He's the guy who's going to do that. Um, if you choose that, she turns on the she ignites the spark and then runs out of the house because she's the athlete, but leaves every remaining surviving cast member to die in the exploding house. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. That's Literally really everyone funny. died horribly in the last choice of the video game other than her. And it was really funny to me. But you, until that point, you had done really good at like everyone had survived. Yeah. There you, was only you know, one guy who had died until that point. Well. And then suddenly everyone died. And then she just ran out and everyone died? Yeah. Is that how F.E.? Oh, weird. I think Discord's doing the stupid thing again. Well, I tried to... Uh keep the conversation energy going but i think you've dropped out of the call i can't tell Hello, i can't hear you so nope. if you can hear me then who knows anyway that's until dawn it was good i recommend it i have the quarry downloaded but i have not played it yet mm-hmm. people people seem to like that one less is what i've, I've heard yeah I, I don't know it's kind of all outside of my purview yeah, but um, they got Ted Raimi, so it can't be that bad. And uh, what's his face from Scream, uh, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's in that. David Arquette, is he in that movie? Or game? Game. It's a video game. They pro- Probably. That sounds like the level of guy they would get. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, what else do I got? Uh, so I finally got around to playing Ridge Racer 4. Uh, why 4 specifically? Um. Well, one, I have a Negicon I wanted to use. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is the one I've always heard held up as the Ridge Racer. I've um, always heard that about seven. That's interesting. I wonder if that's just age gap stuff. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, it's six and seven are the same game, but seven's the one with more content on the PS3. Okay. Um, um, yeah. But I've always heard Type Four is like this is when Ridge Racer really like landed as like the lifestyle of cars and Japanese aesthetics in the '90s are here, mm-hmm. um, and it opens with this amazing like cutscene of cars racing and then like a lady walking and she breaks her heel and like flags down the race car and gets in the race car like it's outrun and then they drive off and the music's really good um and then the game itself has like a each difficulty is a different story mode where like you're joining a race team and they're they're like there's some tragedy in their past or whatever that they're trying to race their way out of and you go through the 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 exact same cup but it's harder and you you win and then everyone fixes their lives and uh, it's very goofy like a nice little 90 minute anime story uh in each of the the stories and it's ridge racer so it's just racing on city tracks uh you do some drifting i people people either it gets more ridiculous or i don't know what but uh people describe ridge racer as like an extreme drift game and that's not my experience with r4 like it has drifting but it's not like i've always heard people say like oh you just like can drift the opposite direction around corners it's so drift heavy and cartoony yeah that's not my experience that's where seven is is like it's the peak of uh it's not quite out on two levels of drifting, um, uh-huh. but it's definitely like you're drifting and you're boosting most of the time as you go through the most absurdly beautiful rubber ass PS3 looking tracks that you can find. Uh, it looks incredible. Um, 
but dropping yes. stuff on my desk. I'm not editing that noise out. You're just going to have to deal with it. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I was going to ignore it so that you could edit it out. But I guess now <laughs> no, that no, no, it, it's I'm just going to accept it's true. We already have another thing to edit out that people won't hear. So That's true. They didn't hear a thing of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. Yeah, I just think um, they're probably very similar. Uh, but just I've always heard uh, R4 is the one talked up, and I had a great time with it. It was it's like really light on content. Like there's, there's, you know, there's like three Grand Prix. You go through the same tracks and all of them. There's like some time trial stuff, which uh, has like, that's when you get to unlock the car liveries and everything by doing the like single races. But it's not like, it's not a hundred hour game. Right. <laughs> and it was like, damn, they used to just make video games. You could like play in a weekend and then re- return back to, you know, if you're renting them or whatever, you'd have a good time. You'd come back to it. You could play with friends or whatever, but like you played the whole video game. Yeah, I mean, renting used to be like, it wasn't just a way to try things, right? You just rent yeah. a video game, then that that was it. Uh, yep. Back uh, in the day. I thought day, this game was very cool. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It's Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer. Yeah. Ridge Racer. Uh, the Nejicon was very great to use. I like that quite a bit. Nejicon, is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Okay. And it, it took it took about three races to get really used to like, because if you don't know the NGCon is a PlayStation controller made by Namco that like has a like a barrel in the center almost where you like twist you twist the handles either like towards and away from you on either side uh, and it like the whole controller like pivots on that barrel point uh to do analog steering because it was pre-analog sticks on PlayStation controllers it's wild because um, I've, I've seen the like JogCon which had just has a fucking wheel in the middle yeah I have one of those too but I did not use it for this um but the NGCon seems like I guess the most into, even though it looks crazy, like everything about yeah. it looks like this is the worst web design control ever. I guess like ergonomically it is the easiest way to recreate the tension of steering uh, when you have a, when you're holding a controller and you can't move your hands. Yeah. The thing about the jog con that will be interesting when I do do it is that like the wheel part of that has like force feedback. Okay. Um, that makes sense. So like it has resistance and like kickback when you like spin it. And that's not true of the, uh, Nejicon just turns. Man, all this is the just other, dead. Yeah, the other thing about the Nejicon is um, two of the phase buttons in both triggers are analog, which was not the case on the PlayStation controller. So you get analog steering and brake, uh, like braking and accelerating, mm-hmm. um, which was great. Oh, um, yeah. Because from what I so I did not play this game with an original controller, but I, I people who it had, had I talked to about it were like the whole point of that game in its traditional mode because it just used a D pad was the amount of time you pressed the steering was like registered as like the way you would do it like a degree of analog stick and it was just like a very different feeling racing game to any because I got into car games again outside of like Mario Kart in a post stick era right like I played yes. Forza two and I was like holy shit my whole life has changed. <laughs> uh yeah the like it stayed pretty static since then right like since yeah. kind of the mid-2000s everyone's been locked into exactly how they make their racing games yeah uh, by which i mean they don't make them anymore <laughs> oh, yes <laughs> um, but lego the- racers 2k uh you know crapping up your wallet now with digital purchase for bricks <laughs> that game seems fantastic if it wasn't the most evil thing ever because i i love lego yeah. racers 2 classic childhood game for me um what if you could race cars but then find little bricks and you could build cars great perfect video game unfortunately it's it, it's not a video game it's a con uh, that exists to get you to upgrade shit with real money right like that game's so evil every review that's like you know 
it, 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 I guess there's some monetization, but I've learned to ignore it. It's like, you're, you're being, you let them have you. Why have you sold out like this, cowards? It's clearly evil. Just say it's evil. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that game was great. People should play Ridge Racer if you have not. Oh, uh, yeah, we're um, um, coming up on um, 17 years since they made a Ridge Racer. I guess there were Ridge Racers after seven, but um, I don't, they don't, Ridge Racer Unbound, that doesn't give, that doesn't count. Yeah. Um, then I played Ninja Gaiden 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos, and Ninja Gaiden 3, The Ancient Ship of Doom. Uh, you did do those two things. Which are both NES games, a sequel to Ninja Gaiden, which you did have normal mapping on way back in the day. Cool game. like three years ago. Um, so uh, Ninja Gaiden 2, The Dark Sword of Chaos might be one of the coolest games I've ever played. It's really uh, Castlevania 3 good. I uh, I think so. Like I they 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 just like immediately the cutscene quality is higher. Uh, mm-hmm. The aesthetics are really cool. Um, it just jumps right back in with like you doing missions with your CIA girlfriend and stuff, uh, which is great. Um, a lot more like demon shit because like the, the first game takes a long time to reveal demon shit. And this one immediately is like, oh, hey, demon shit. Um, and uh, also there's like this cr- great ability. The, the main ability in this game is you get like you can get shadow clones of yourself to where there's just three reuse running and every attack is like. You plus you like three persons behind plus you three other persons behind if you have a fully upgraded um all doing the same attack at the same time but they will be faced in a different direction based on where you've been so you just become this like steamrolling ball of death throughout the game um That's mostly the game is otherwise kind of the same you know it's 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 ninja guy they did not change the gameplay that much but uh i think this game just like really refines it in a way that uh is good um Mm-hmm. I also think uh, I don't remember this being the first game where if you hang onto a wall, you can just climb straight up the wall. Finally. Oh yeah. I think you have to do the back and forth annoying shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is faster still, but you can just climb up the wall now. Oh, thank God. Uh, um, anyway, I think that game is great. Uh, really exceptional. I liked it a lot. And then uh, Ninja Gaiden three, the ancient ship of doom is, <laughs> is between the first two games. First off. Um, and uh, opens with Irene, your CIA girlfriend, dying. So you're like, well, that's definitely not going to stick. Stick. She's in, uh, but she's, she's in too. <laughs> yes. Why? Why? Um, why make this choice? Well, because she's killed by someone who looks just like Ryu Hayabusa, and you have to be like, well, I didn't kill her, uh, and you have to clear your name and find out that the bad guy has been making bionoid copies of people. Okay. Um, uh, was she already a bionoid when she was killed? No, no. She just uh, faked her death. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but Bionoid Ryu Hayabusa is around uh, being evil. And uh, it turns out that in this game, the ancient magic is not actually ancient magic, but fucking aliens. And it's goofy. Um, and the gimmick in this game, you don't have the shadow clones, but you can hang from like ceilings and like platforms, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's like an under like an overhang kind of ability. Yes. Um, not as good as Ninja Gaiden 2, but has great OV like crappy OVA energy. Uh and that part's really fun. Every uh, character yes. that didn't come back from Ninja Gaiden 1 and Ninja Gaiden 2 uh, appears in Ninja Gaiden 3. <laughs> hey, we got all your favorite guys here, like Joe. <laughs> yeah. Um They redesign Ryu in these games, like when he takes off his mask, he's now like an anime boy, which was not true in the first game, and it's really disorienting. Uh 
uh, I, I can't Google like when you hire Busa. Yeah, no, yeah, I I tried to find an image to show you when I play these games. It's un, it's impossible to Google these games like cutscene visuals enough for this. Right, like when I Google Ryu Hayabusa Ninja Gaiden Three, I you know, yes, <laughs> it's just disaster. Just uh, you want to want you want to look at the worst cutscenes of a PS3 game you've ever seen? No, I do not. Um. I, I'm finding some something. I'm not, I'm not as like helpful as images I would like, but these are kind of ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I liked them. If you've if you've played Ninja Gaiden and not played the sequels, I I especially two. I think two is just a really good game. Uh, I will tell you for sure. Uh, I cheated my way through these fucking video games because Ninja Gaiden's really hard. Um, yeah. Uh, these are games I'd really like to play with um like a different difficulty or live system. I don't know. I, I need to figure out a way to uh. Because I can, I you know, I can, I can cheat through them, right? I can get through the game and see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is definitely games where I'm like, I want to like learn this, but I don't want to learn this to the extent of being able to beat it on three fucking lives. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, there must be a middle ground of some kind of rule I can impose. Because uh, I remember been playing Castlevania three, which I uh, didn't actually end up finishing, but I adore. But I burned out for this exact reason. That originally, I was just playing it raw. I was just playing it how it is. And when you die, you go back to the beginning of the stage. Um, yeah. And I got a fair bit of the way through the game. It's like, it, it's a really fun action game to learn and enjoy that way. Yes. But my life is not set. Like, I, I don't want to just start completely save scumming, right? Because then there's no challenge. Um, but I don't want to adhere exactly to the rules of how it was before. Because then I'm like, I, I don't have time. Um, and instead I just walked away. One day I'll figure it out. I'll figure out my, what my like house rules are for the kind of retro games I want to get a, more of a handle on than just tourist through. Yes. Uh but I assume these games being more story heavy, more story heavy, uh, suit themselves more to just save states. Uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, I feel so. Like I don't really mind cheating my way through a game like this because oh yeah, I would never bother to see it myself otherwise. But and I do think there is like, it's not a big deal if you don't want to do this. I understand, and I like I do think cheating way through is different than if I sat down and tried to grind it out. But I just don't. I'm, I would never do that. Um, I, I have no like, moral objection to cheating your way through these games. Right? I hope people have yes. my nose. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like experientially, like I know that what I do is different than if I played it legit. But I also know that it's different than if I just watch a long play on YouTube, which yes. sometimes I do if I don't want to bother with the game. But like, I have more affection having put it on my own TV and hit the buttons than uh, if I had not done that. Um, and I'm not saying any of these are invalid. They're all valid because I've done every version of this, depending on the video game. Um, in this one, I chose this. This is my path. Yeah. Uh, um, I guess the thing I'm usually looking for is like uh, an easy mode rebalance, right? That like changes the numbers yes. and you can make a few more mistakes. Um, yeah. If it's uh, if it's gone an extra mile, then it won't. You won't die every time you fall in the pit. That's the other one. I like to respawn at the top of the thing with a little bit of health loss because I think it's ridiculous that falling in a pit is more dangerous than enemies. Video games figure this out twenty years later. This is this is someone speaking who did not. The pit is the most deadly thing of all. I know it's, it, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You you can make like ten mistakes on an enemy, but you can only make one mistake on a jump. Bad I mean, in Ninja Gaiden, you can make two mistakes on an enemy because it's Ninja Gaiden. Ninja yes, Gaiden but you know what I mean, like, like philosophically, <laughs> yes. about like yeah. games that aren't platformers that nonetheless have the most punishing platforming imaginable. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, this morning I got up way too early, uh, and I was like, "What am I going to do? Don't want to watch a movie." I ended up playing all of Final Fight, <laughs> the oh, huh. uh, Capcom beat 'em up from 1989, um, which I had never sat down and 
played all of before. Like, I think I'd played it in arcades, maybe just like, you know, play a quarter last 90 seconds. Cause final, here's the thing about these type of games. They're fucking hard. And I don't know what it, is it possible to be good at final fight or is yes. it just meant to eat your quarters? That too. But I'm fairly sure you can be, I don't think final fight is like, rng dependent i think you can read the tells and yeah. figure out the positioning it's there's just really like, annoying there's so many guys who just do so much damage that like swarm you in that game um there's these fake andre the giant motherfuckers named andore who will just like pick you up and toss you around there's like a boss that literally has a like one hit ko move if you get hit by it um and i'm like man this is just fucking rude <laughs> Uh, because I'm playing it on Mister, I just jam it full of quarters and continue my way through. Uh, instead of one CC clear, we've got like a 15 CC clear. Because <laughs> uh, they, they, I mean, you know, people making arcade games do not care if you want to put in seven dollars into the video game and beat it. That's seven dollars they got from you. You play the SNES version? No, I played the arcade version. Oh, just the arcade version. Okay. Yes. Uh, because I, I found I found a Reddit thread of someone saying. Uh, Final Fight, first time playing, and yikes, it's just someone making the same complaints you are. And I've got some tips here. Like on the title screen, press hold L and R and press start to get the options menu. You can change the amount of lives for continues and enable extra joy, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, yep. I yeah, I, there was dip switches that I didn't think to look at at first. So uh, you could because you know arcade games have difficulty settings and like continue. So it was set to it's set to as many continues as you wanted. I could just load quarters, yeah. right? Like even I didn't have to set to free play, but it was set at like normal difficulty, and there was like three easier and three harder if you want to be a real asshole arcade operator wait um and i was playing on norm what i have a tech here that may might change your view of final fight yeah let's go uh when doing your punch combo if you hold up as you finish you will always backwards throw no matter how far you are from the enemy as long as the punch is hit this is absolutely crucial to doing well in final fight damn yeah yeah suddenly you have control over the positioning and can get enemies on the same side which is how you do crowd control doing doing the backwards throw is how to survive anything in final fight i I did know that but realizing you can like finish your combo into a backwards throw yes like man that's that's powerful so when you're saying like oh is there a way to do this with intentionality it seems like that there it is that 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 is the mechanic that they didn't they don't teach you yeah anyway the the one thing i did like is uh good ones of these allow you to switch characters between continues so i got to play as all three characters that's nice nice. i mostly like playing as hagar because the story is about mike hagar saving his daughter from being captured um I don't care about Cody and Guy. <laughs> uh, no. Cody, Cody being like, because I, I know him as like the Street Fighter prisoner guy. Him being the most bland white t-shirt jeans motherfucker in this game is really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike Hagar is cool. That's the secret. What if your mayor was just a big burly man who did wrestling moves? Is is appealing. I'm not immune to Mike Hagar. It was fine. I had a guy. It looks nice. I, it took about an hour. It was it was a good time, you know, and then I went back to sleep because I woke up too early this morning. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. Um, but that game gets really rude. That's all. That's my one complaint. And that's just true of every one of these I've ever played. I don't know what it is to be good at like an arcade brawler. And I don't really want to know. I just am kind of touristing through the content on my infinite supply of fake quarters. And then I see the ending and I'm happy. One day I'll uh, dig into a. Uh, beat him up like that like it's a genre i've played a little bit of but i've never really like as the action game fan right i've never really yeah. clicked with one of those you've always said streets of rage 2 is the one to check out yeah but it's not not this right it just yeah. is one with like cool aesthetics um but i i like i've seen enough people um like there are people who are action game brained about these kind of things they clearly have the like depth there uh, yeah. i've just never hit it because every time i've like 
I, when I've played these games, I'm really not thinking of these games. I'm thinking of terrible Flash games that are pretending to be these games. Oh, you're thinking of Alien Hominid. I'm th- I mean, Alien Hominid, the shooter, Castle Crashers is this. Oh, but God, I'm thinking of like the pre-Castle Crashers ones that were actually on Newgrounds. Yeah. Um, Alien Hominid was on Newgrounds. It is like, it is more of a metal slug, not, but it is also Yes, it's a metal slug. It doesn't have the like Z-axis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, heck, does, does Final Five have a Z-axis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That is that is the defining part of the like beat 'em up genre to me. Is you yeah. got the Z axis thing. Otherwise, it's just That's an action fair. game. It's Castlevania or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I just enjoy these for the aesthetics because they always look very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see a lot of what Streets of Rage becomes in this game. So, people yeah. really like that Streets of Rage four, right? That one that came out recently. I have no idea. Okay. Um, and then uh, the next game before you get to go. Are we trading off? <laughs> uh yeah well i'm gonna do the big block at the end of the obvious stuff uh i played flowers le volume suprintant the first uh volume of flowers which is a yuri visual novel uh quadrilogy um that are all based on a a season so printant spring um so this was the first one which is about um this like christian academy um that these girls all go to uh in japan um and uh they're all there because of reasons they'll have like some tragic yuri backstory right um and they're all trying to get along and figure things out and they're all paired into these trios where like you room with these other two girls and your two paths of which girl you're going to date are your two partners in that um and uh it's high drama full-on like shoujo stuff and it's really good um the first volume uh ends on like the most uh, obnoxious cliffhanger in the world which i uh like literally yelled i was like ah i have not bought the second volume yet i have other things i want to do but it really made me want to go ahead and play the next one um because everything was going really well and then it suddenly was extremely not going well but in like a way where you i have full i don't think this is like one of those like you know uh shoujo things where everybody dies i think it's probably gonna end pretty happy but it sure does have the moments where you're like oh this is going this is the worst anything could have gone uh, and that roller coaster is the fun there. Well, I don't think they're going to die, uh, you know, at the end of the first of four Well, games. you know what I mean, though. <laughs> yes. You you look at, like, uh, all these sad queer girls at a Christian Academy, and you're like, well, if this was, like, a 70s shoujo, they'd all be fucking dead by the end of this. <laughs> uh, but it's not. It's from, it's from, like, the first volume of this came out in uh, 2014. Also, even though if you look at the screenshots and you look at the aesthetics and you play the video game, it feels like it's set in like the fucking 1890s. It's set in the year the game came out. It's set in 2014. Which is like key because the main girl um, loves movies and talks a lot about like they're like there's characters who just like go on discussions about like the Dark Knight in the middle of like living in this girl's school that's no so one's allowed, weird no one's allowed to have phones so there's no phones in the in the like no one has the internet but everyone comes from a world of cult like modern culture i just assumed it was just set in i don't, I don't know i should have said in the past for one thing yeah um, exactly you look at it, you're like oh this is from like before you know um what, i didn't realize it was like the like a Harry Potter situation, not in the, you know, sorry to reference Harry Potter, but like school as a... I mean, the book's also, like, the, this game does also reference things like Harry Potter and the internet and uh, horror movies. And yeah, it's just like, it is aware of culture, right? Yeah, but I meant like school as a, like, uh, 
othered fantasy, right? Like the boarding yes. school fantasy of this is an other space that represents some like specific aesthetic fantasy we have. And you know, yes. in Harry Potter's case, it's like the most Tory evil vision in the world. And, you know, the last yes. 20 years of culture has borne that out. Uh, whereas this is much more, I assume, like the most heightened place to experience Yuri drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it seems cool. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to play the other version. I'm kind of playing other. My goal is to like play one and then play another visual novel and then play one. So right now I'm working on like the second love love game, and then I'll probably go and play the summer game of flowers. So it'll probably take me like a year to get through all of it, but uh, it's nice. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's very good if you like that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's it for me, uh, until you talk about your two games, then we'll get real deep into the bullshit I've been up to. Yeah, I've not been gaming that much. I've, I, like, played a bit of, um, Breath of the Wild, which talked about on Voidable. I'm not going to bring that up here. We had a bit of, like, Zelda general discussion there. Uh, if you're thinking of paying just for that, don't. It, it was just don't, it's bit, not that big it's, it's not deal, that big yes. deal. If you want to pay for Voidable, please do generally, but don't, we're not, like, hiding the Zelda content or anything. I just played a little bit of Breath of the Wild and the new Zelda's coming out, and I haven't touched it. I thought about it, I was like, oh, I could play it and then talk about it on this episode, and then I was like, no, that'd be stupid. You're not gonna, you know. Eventually, I'll play the new Zelda. Um, I'm weirdly not seeing all the clips of everyone doing machines is maybe less interested in it. Like, I don't care about that. I, I want to hit guys with a sword. I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. They took the yeah, yeah, yeah out, and now I'm like, oh, but I like the yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get into Dynasty Warriors and not Zelda. I've been watching so many Dynasty Warriors. It's my current, remember when I fell into a, a Fire Emblem hole, of, but just a YouTuber hole, not real one? Yes. Yeah, I've done that I mean, you Dynasty did Warriors play Fire Emblem. Emblem. You played the original Fire Emblem, which no one should do. I do. I have played some Dynasty Warriors in the last couple of months. I have uh, Dynasty Warriors 4 Hyper installed on my computer, and it's pretty great. Uh, which is, the if you're going to play old Dynasty Warriors, that's the best way to probably do it. Um. I don't have like takes about it. It is good. I do like Dynasty Warriors when I'm enjoying it. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Uh, two two games I actually want to talk about is uh, so I got really curious because it was like three pounds, um, and I was like on an academic level, I'm interested in this Avengers game because they patched out all of the uh, live service systems. And I, as someone who's oh, right. like looking at modern video games and hates that stuff, like what does it look like when you like attempt to retroactively remove that from a video game? Like what what is the what are you left with? Uh, and my academic curiosity lasted about 90 minutes of the worst cutscenes I'd seen in my goddamn life with truly terrible uh, level design. Um, and I'd barely even gotten into like the actual dungeons where you fight guys in like RPG-ish stuff that is the actual game. Um, rip, 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 rip. Uh, and I was like, this is too painful. The, the cutscenes are genuinely so cringe. They feel like a psyop. Uh, like, you know... When the right-wing people make up what, like, all these awful liberals are putting their politics in their video games and they hate us, uh, if they were to cruelly imagine their, like, vision of what one of those games would be, uh, it is Kamala Khan walking up and being like, I've written my fanfic and uh, I'm going to stand to the bullies who don't think my Captain America fanfic is valid by doing the Captain America quote at him. And the Captain America comes up and says, you're so brave uh, for telling those last jedi hating nerds they're not the real fans and i'm like i'm dying this is so awful this is the worst thing ever uh this character deserves better and it's a hard thing to like talk about how bad it is because like like i said uh the large volume of the people complaining about it are genuinely awful people who hate that there's like a you know woman of color in their superhero game Mm -hmm. Um, it just becomes culture war uh and it doesn't need to because I'm like the, the writing's bad on the face of it. I, that's clearly not why I'm complaining. Um, 
And so that's that's the writing, right? That's one thing. And the other thing is that all the levels, uh, at least in the early going, when they're trying to be a fake Last of Us, just in like, this is a narrative game, uh, that you will go through areas and interact with objects, and those objects will have dialogue, um, and you'll learn things from them, is like... Okay, so you know how Naughty Dog is uh, a, like... well-oiled machine that like crunches workers under it but to the like ends of having the spit shine polish on literally every interaction in the game yeah uh well uh this isn't that because this is like you go up to a thing right that it you go to captain america's shield or whatever it's on the wall and then you hold x for like three seconds like you're activating a destiny menu because uh, you can't just tap X. Then once that thing is filled, then you stand still and do your two-second dialogue of, oh, it's this thing. I found it over here. And then the camera will slowly rotate back, and then you can start walking again to the next thing, and there's like 10 things in the room. And I'm like, in the version of this you're trying to copy, it's like been, you know, they've spent a lot of time and money and and, and uh, labor on getting it to dynamically react as you're walking past things and feel natural. Uh, the space feels lived in. And like that itself is a product of uh, like intense, uh, you know, crunch and also just money, right? You have to have a lot of money to do that. And they're also trying to make a live service game on top of this. Um, so I get why it's not as good as that. But to that, I just say, why try? Why? 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 Why try? You've made it worse. I don't want to stand in a room and press X on so many things you can give me your dialogue about them i just want to get to the the missions uh and eventually i got to that to the real missions and then the combat was just kind of bad anyway and i was like well great this is a waste of my time uh and it just made me feel bad i was i was so ready to go and be like oh i like those tomb raider games uh, i'm curious about like taking out the uh live service systems I'd, I'd love to know academically what this is like and it just wore me down it was so fucking terrible i hated it so much <laughs> Uh, yeah, fair enough. So rip to you had, me. You'd briefly considered we were going to do it for Abnormal Mapping. I was and, like, uh, I'll invite someone else and we'll do it for Abnormal Mapping and probably ask Molly or someone uh, and discuss how, like what it's like when you play the, a modern video game that has had that stuff just like, ex, you know, ripped out of it. How do you still feel it? What is that like as an object? And I still am curious about all those things, but I realize I'm, uh, you know, Mr. Incredible Voice not strong enough. <laughs> I just want the game to be good. I want to play a video game that is fucking good, please. Yeah, fair enough. So, that plan down the drain. Um, uh, and then the other thing I played is uh, the the best game of all time, which is not necessarily true, but I did play it, and it is really good. It is the uh, Pokemon roguelike, Pokemon Emerald Rogue, uh, which I think is like, in, in at least as an initial impressions, I've only played like five hours, Uh it seems genius, like genuine genius. Uh, if Nintendo releases product, people will be posting about how it's like re- going to revolutionize video games. Um, I don't know how that holds up over like a longer period of time, but in the speed in which this thing like introduces Pokemon concepts that I know are there and important to the gameplay, but I'm never going to be at a level or time investment to care about them, uh, like brings those concepts into focus for like a casual audience doing a run of this roguelike is so considered and so smart and like so what? good so uh like you know you, you get a pokemon right you catch a pokemon um and you do type advantage and you just go through the game usually whereas here it's like randomly set up so you you do 
you get a situation where you're like you go through uh the gate and you're on a just a route with four options of where to go uh mm-hmm. and they all have dungeons in them uh and they'll say like oh that one i know is a sh- shiny tough or this one's a like mild hot right it gives you like a kind of vague idea about what pokemon might be in the pool for that kind of area uh, mm-hmm. and a kind of idea of the level um and it is balanced so specifically around like you need to get through these areas you will find items you'll find like one use items and you'll find like four pokemon uh and you will then at the end of your like little path uh, depending on what things you get in your way in like a randomized roguelike way you then get to like the gym leader right and the gym leader is randomized of the emerald gym leaders um and you don't know what type it is before you go you can like spend some of your money to like figuring out what element the gym leader is before you fight them that's another way of like money matters right because money doesn't matter in pokemon you just have it you just have so much money that you would never need it or you're trying to grind for like a uh usable competitive pokemon and then you never have enough money <laughs> but there's no yes. there's no middle ground where like there's a healthy tension of money um and the way that mechanic is woven into like okay items really matter and you can buy items and you can buy moves and you can buy potions uh, and you can also buy information the information is about what types you're going to need in the next gym fight all of these things are completely valid choices uh and may approach like influence your way you're going to like go through the next bit of this roguelike um and that like loop repeats you know eight times then there's an elite four uh and the way it like compounds on itself uh is just incredible i was like oh i'm like thinking about pokemon in the way that you're meant to in like a competitive pokemon way but i never would because i'm just never gonna spend that time investment um it was great i I was so impressed (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i was like yeah it makes me say like hyperbolic things i don't think it's actually the greatest thing in the world ever but I, I already really like Pokemon, and I think that if Nintendo had ever figured out a way to like bring Pokemon to, to like people uh, this um, efficiently, uh, people would be losing their minds because it, it brings like high level Pokemon stuff in a way that I can like still you know it simplifies it but keeps the core of it in a way that is interesting and um, and good. I you know as another example like so the, the game doesn't have IV or EVs really. Mm-hmm. Um, so like your Pokemon have IVs. I think this is how I'm gonna to have to look up on the on the Discord server, actually. Because uh, I'm in it and this is literally an answer. Um but the way they set this up. Um where is Emerald Rogue? Okay. So EVs. This is in QA, FAQ. Yeah. Uh, yeah so the answer the question is can we have a set iv mode or can we have a mode setting in which you know something happens with evs uh and this explains the way they use evs which i think will like if you know how pokemon works will like bring into focus a lot of the, like design decisions being made here uh trainers never have evs um they're like a, you know a, a player only system that rewards players for not having a uh tra- hang on trainers never have evs uh, they are intended to be a player-only system which rewards players for not having a Monfate in a long time. IVs, on the other hand... Uh, oh, I see what they mean. Yes, yes. What they're saying is... Um, so, like, your Pokemon get more EVs as they survive longer, right? So if you... The Pokemon you catch in Route 1 and you're fighting the Elite Four will be stronger than if you caught him in the route just before. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's how original... Po- yes. That's how real Pokemon works also. But you don't get EVs from trainers 
as you fight them. It's just like when you tear up, you get yes. more like a, okay. As you go through sense. each level. Uh, yeah. IVs, on the other hand, exist purely to scale the difficulty of trainers. The trainers on the start route have low EVs. The trailers at the end uh, have high EVs. And then like if on the super high stuff, you're going to get 31 IVs on the Pokemon. Yeah, that, um, that's how uh, like the battle towers work in yes. actual Pokemon. When you get to the high ends of the battle towers and it's like, yeah, everyone's got perfect IVs. Get fucked. Play yeah. the game. And then like, the players just have like random ivs the evs are really in it like are in a player's control in various ways uh but the uh ivs are fairly set and random and it just means that like there's such a smooth scale uh from each gym leader to each gym leader in a way that i was surprised by of like this is more due to the the robustness of pokemon as a game design system because it's just a spreadsheet on some level um, yeah which is why did they surface the ivs in the roguelike uh okay um well, not not in not in the game, but you like people know them. I just mean like in in the original game, getting your IV values is when I played in like Emerald and Diamond was laborious because uh, you need to like see in a spread, and there was the higher the level you were, the better your math would have been on like what your IVs are. Oh, uh, if you yeah. want like hacking, right? You uh, couldn't. The game just didn't tell you your IVs. You had to figure them out. Oh yeah, all that's that. it's like using you know the. Someone's already done a universal ROM hack to make all of the UI better in Emerald that all okay. ROM hacks are using now. Um, okay. And as another example, like natures don't matter. So it's like there are items that can change in nature immediately and on future Pokemon games, and they've been backported to this. Um, okay. Which is usually that just means you go buy the item and you change your nature to the one you want. Uh, yeah. But in this, because of how much money matters, like changing a Pokemon's nature, it costs a lot of money, but it might be more worthwhile than like healing another one. Or you might just like want to know if you're fighting electric type or ground type for the next gym. Um, yes. And it just bring in the level of like active choice without making it like a, you know, I don't want to play the, the fully different, uh, like ground up ROM hacks. Cause they're like difficulty hacks usually. Yes. Um, and I was just so impressed by this. Uh, it was bold over. What a cool thing. Uh, strong recommend people check out Pokemon Emerald Rogue. Uh, all right. It does sound cool. Uh, I feel like I kind of rambled there. Sorry about badly explaining because it it's Pokemon. It's weird. but um, No, it's fine because when you originally talked to me about it, I didn't know what it was. So I assumed it was closer to like a randomizer, but seeing it's an entirely different structured game. No, it's it's like you have you start out in an empty town um, and you go into a screen that is like a route which has four paths and then all of the paths lead into dungeons um that have different pokemon in them and the, the dungeons are more like caves they're not randomized they're just areas from the map in emerald uh because it's you can't like generate random tiles in this so if you like know the routes like that you go over that bridge a few times in this game and you'll get used to that stuff uh i think they're slowly bringing in fire red areas as well uh, but mm-hmm. you can really only stick to the gba things i don't know how like advanced this side of rom hacking is uh and there's also like uh a um the thing is called like a game show but you get a 50 50 chance of your buff or a debuff right and if you pick the right one you'll get like oh this pokemon's attacks increase or you pick the wrong one it's like you lost some money or you had to trade away your pokemon for this other guy um so there's like fun randomization things like that uh and then the broader progression system is the further you get in the rogue like the more facilities you get in the town uh which change your like starting situation Mm -hmm. um and you build up from like one pokemon center to like 
this thing can can you know you got a safari zone so maybe you can like start with a different pokemon and stuff like that uh you can get clothes here you can get other things here uh it has a whole di- bunch of different facilities um and it's only on like version 0.6 right now or something i don't know how far they intend to go with it but um very cool thing what a fucking cool thing yeah that's uh, me uh yeah fair enough uh breaking gaming news breaking. i just saw in the tr- i just saw it in my trends of what's happening is scale bound and i was like what what Scalebound's not happening. Uh, so there is a Xbox showcase leak, and I say this with the biggest. Oh, is this you the fake one that has like six different things, like twenty different things on it? Yes. <laughs> okay, read me out every single thing on this image because I think I know the image you're talking about. Uh, first off, Avowed from Obsidian Entertainment exclusive. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, so yes. This is the super fake leak. Yes. Okay, let's yes. go. <laughs> um, that that's a real video game they're making. It will be exclusive. That's correct. That's correct. That's true. I don't know if they're going to show it. Uh, but they're making that. Uh, Starfield, obviously, Bethesda exclusive. So far, we're in games that are real. Fable, Playground Games exclusive. Okay, that's all technically true, but they had, no, they're not showing Fable tomorrow. Or next State week, of Decay 3, Undead Labs exclusive. That's, I think, true, but uh, yeah, they've already announced that, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure. Hollow Knight, Silk Song, Team Cherry, timed exclusive. No. I keep saying they're going to do this. I think they're going to back up the bunny truck for Silk Song. But they would uh, already this, know. This, uh, this, uh, by the way, this, this very real leak it has it listed as Hollow Knight Slick Song. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna, you gonna watch Slick Song or play Slick Song? <laughs> um, Overdose Kojima Productions exclusive. No, what? I know there was like talk about him doing some Xbox thing, but they've already announced Death Stranding too. That's what he's doing next. Yes, Everwild Rare exclusive. Uh, that did get announced, but it hasn't come up since 2019, I think. Yes. Quake, id Software, exclusive. Um, no, they're not going to make a new Quake. They'd be more likely to make a Doom 3, I would assume. Uh, Hellblade 2, Ninja Theory, exclusive. You'd think, given it was announced in like February 2020, where the fuck's that game? I don't even want it, but where, what's going on, Microsoft? Yeah. Uh, Scalebound Platinum Games exclusive comma shadow drop, which means available today. That's Scale so Black, funny. Scalebound is, <laughs> yes. Xbox um, at this E3 will be bringing my father back. <laughs> Contraband Avalanche Studios exclusive. Uh, I don't know what that is. That's I've never heard. They I've showed think, that, right? That Wait, haven't they, isn't that a made up game? Oh, I thought that was a game they showed. I don't really pay attention to all the shooters. Contraband. Co- yes, that is a real game. Real game. Yeah. That is. It's that. like a fake Ubisoft. Everyone chatters while they do crimes. Yeah, that's Not that. cr- and by crimes I mean cop shit. I think it's a cop shit game. Uh, Contraband is still in development. Everything okay. we know about Contraband. Yeah. Uh, Killer Instinct, developed by Rare and Bandai Namco, exclusive. <laughs> no. Bandai Namco. Getting, getting Bandai Namco to make Killer Instinct is like the funniest possible. They're move. too busy making literally every possible anime fighter. We paid them to make us a fake Soul Calibur, and they did it. It's called Killer Instinct. Please enjoy. Oh, right. Soul Calibur is Bandai Namco as well. I guess yes. technically they. When was the last Soul Calibur? Six. They made that not it's too long. It's been a while. Yeah. That might be dead. Sorry, Soul Calibur fans. Uh, Wolfenstein 3, Bethesda Softworks exclusive. Uh, no, 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 they're not making Wolfenstein 3. No, come on. Um, Forza Motorsport Playground Games exclusive. That's real. 
Yeah, but they already have an actual full. Oh no, that is the wrong. Wait, side. I was gonna say, yeah, they they say this list is playground. It's turn ten making the next. Turn ten, what sorry, yes, about? it's turn ten. Sorry, that's why I was like, hang on, no, this is the fakest leak yes. in the world. <laughs> You're just reading out a four champo at this point. It's fine. Um, midnight to be announced studio exclusive. <laughs> there's there's a there's a fucking showcase move. Here's a game. Don't know who's making it, but it's definitely exclusive. Don't worry about. Hey, it. I'm typing up this fake leak. I'm just gonna put the word midnight on it with no other content. What even is midnight? Like it's nothing. It doesn't get any. <laughs> Does it give you more um, credibility to have a thing that is nothing on it? Here's the one where I was like, oh, we gotta talk about this. Fallout New Vegas Two Obsidian Entertainment exclusive. There's no way Obsidian is making a fucking New Vegas Two the same time they're making Avowed. Uh, yeah, I mean, they will make a Fallout New Vegas Two. That will almost certainly, one hundred percent, definitely happen. Um, um, but uh, they're not doing it yet. They gotta finish what they're doing right now. Halo Tatanka listed like in quotes as like a project name by Certain Affinity exclusive Shadow Drop. Um, Who's Certain Affinity? This is um the, this is the Halo Battle Royale, Halo Infinite Battle Royale that, that they said they've been making for like two years. But okay, like I know I've heard this before, but this was before like Halo Infinite blew up again and then again. And then, like, everyone left 343. So, who knows what's going on with Halo? Because Microsoft sure as hell don't. Uh, Halo 3 Anniversary 343 exclusive. Fakest leak in the entire world. <laughs> yes. You could already play Halo 3! Yeah. They're actually going to play pay to get all the cutscenes redone? Why? Why would you do that? It's just on... You get it? 120 frames a second. Looks yeah. beautiful. Halo 3, baby. Nothing wrong with the it. Idea that, the idea that they put out, re-put out Halo 3 and it like plays worse is so funny to me. Well, if they would like make a new remaster that like, is rushed yeah. and looks like shit, even though you can just yeah. play Halo 3 right now. Yeah. Put the um, and then Cyberpunk 2077 DLC. Uh, three months time exclusive. Uh, that's really funny. Anyway, uh, if you like stupid shit like this, uh, you could go to patreon.com slash normapping and for $10, subscribe to Void Life. It's usually more in-depth than just reading out a thing you saw on Twitter that wasn't real. No, but it, I did see this and I was like, we have to talk about this immediately since we're recording. Because it won't matter by the next Void Life. But it I won't saw matter by the time this comes trending. out. I saw Scalebound trending and I was like, man, we got to talk about people talking about Scalebound in 2023. Um, even if that game was real, looking at, looking at Platinum... Who would want to play it? <laughs> that game is real. It's called Bayonetta 3 and it sucks. Yeah. Because they put all Babylon's the Babylon's like, Fall. Not a real video game anymore. They put all the like uh, big open world-ish environments that were meant to be an open world but were just scaled down. Scaled down like scale bound. Scale uh, bound, scale down. <laughs> like a scale, yeah, Bayonetta 3 is like a scaled down, scale bound. <laughs> You're right. This is the most Idle Thumbs episode we've ever done. <laughs> Uh, but like there's that and there's the kaiju shit and all the like mechanics that no one likes from beta 3 are just like stuff they had lying around from scalebound seemingly uh, it's no, so sad that we don't title episodes anymore because it's absolutely called scale down scale bound scale down uh god <laughs> stupid um, anyway uh so um i played resident evil well, we played Resident Evil from normal mapping like three months ago, right? Yeah. I the first came game on the last I, month that I said I'd play Resident Evil 2? Yeah, yeah, I think so. God. Um, so since then, uh, I played Resident Evil 2 Remake, yep. and then I, then I played Resident Evil 2, just to see. Um, and then I played Resident Evil 3 Remake, and then I played Resident Evil 3, just to see. 
And then I played Resident Evil 7 and Resident Evil 8 and all the DLCs for both. Uh, it's time to talk about Resident <laughs> Evil. Yeah, if you if you don't want to talk, if you don't want to hear about Resident Evil, uh, all of those, uh, we're done. That's the last thing I've got. Um, yeah. See so you thank you for listening. For Come back next week for, yeah, Chrono Cross. Uh, it'll be good. So, um, Resident Evil 2, one of the greatest games ever made, the original. Obviously. So true, um, so true, so true. It's just great. Um, Resident Evil 2 remake is much better than I expected, um, partially because um, they give that game a lot of space to just do puzzles in a way that I wasn't, I, I was really expecting it to be closer to Resident Evil 4, and it just has so many parts where you're just going through areas you've cleared all the zombies and monsters and you're just trying to find keys to open doors and I was like man this is the shit this is what I come to Resident Evil for and I was really happy with it I think it's really cool I think it's a good game highly recommend it um Mm -hmm. I think I think Claire Claire's story is much better than Leon's story in that game uh generally in both versions um I think Claire and Sherry running around is really good in the uh remake um Sherry Birkin should be the Resident Evil protagonist her and Jake Muller running around uh in the modern era is what i want out of resident evil in the future They're never gonna mention jake again oh <laughs> uh, they gotta they gotta resident evil 6 is like sets the ground for some interesting stuff and it's just not been picked up by the ethan winters saga which is about other things yes chris is still out here chris is still out here um we'll talk about chris <laughs> what's chris is up to um anyway i then i play resident evil 3 remake and I ended up really liking it because I know that game is like very not well regarded. Like there's some people who vouch for it, but mostly it's seen as like a disappointment. It, it's too many of the same ideas from Resident Evil to remake. It doesn't uh, like the Mr. X stuff is more interesting than the Nemesis stuff. Um, and people are just kind of down on it. And um, the s- secret here, having played Resident Evil 3 and then remake kind of back to back is um, the Nemesis stuff was never as interesting as people want it to be. Um, it was always really highly scripted. But Resident Evil 3 takes the ideas of the original Resident Evil 3 and puts it into the framework of an action game that is like a different idea of what action games could be than Resident Evil 4. Um, And even a different game than like Resident Evil 6. I think it is closer to Resident Evil 6 of like Resident Evil 3 ends up being kind of like a like a Naughty Dog style like 
linear action experience. It's really cinematic, a lot of big set pieces, big boss fights, um, not a whole lot of running around puzzle solving. There's a little bit of that, but it, it's really incidental, I feel like. Um, and uh, I just thought it was a really good game. It's also much better acted than Resident Evil 2 Remake, which uh, I think all the voice acting in that game is bad. And I think the new Jill they got is pretty decent. And uh, her, her, like, the whole story with her and Carlos, all the Carlos stuff is really made better than the original Resident Evil 3 to me. I was just really happy with it. I wasn't expecting to like it. It ended up being a game I just really fell for. Um, the Nemesis fights are sick in that game. I think the boss is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It ends with the, with Jill with a fucking rail gun that's like three times the size of her. Like it's an full on anime ending. Um, and it's that part's great. <laughs> Jill Valentine picking up uh, picking up Mel Rex's rail gun just on her shoulder. It's basically what happens. It basically is, yes, that basically is what happens. It's okay. really good. <laughs> um, and it's sick. Uh, it's a very silly game. Um, and I understand, I get why people were kind of just, also it's like four hours long, um, which to me is like a plus. <laughs> yeah, it was the things you've already said. And then like, um, cutting out the clock tower, uh, shit like that. Yeah. Cutting out old areas. Uh, not because yeah. everyone was hoping, cause I think in, when I remember what people were saying at the time, I'm not like deeply into the resident evil community or anything, but I, as someone watching action game YouTubers, right? Like the like crossover there. So I heard more of this stuff. Uh, and it seemed like the idea in people's heads of the Resident Evil 3 remake they were expecting was like, what if you took the two engine uh, and the idea of three, but you had like an actual like open, open world. world. Yes. Uh, like not like a full open world, but like, Resident Evil 3 is all set in the streets and the the, the, yeah, the... the So the first half of Resident Evil 3, the original PlayStation yes. game, is like this big open space where you're kind of just roaming around solving bigger, like... It's like, what if the Spencer Mansion was three times as big, but there's the same density of puzzles kind of game? Yeah, you're walking I find, along I find kind of annoying, but <laughs> whatever. Yes, I've played a little bit of Resident Evil 3. I didn't keep going with it. Good Life Like 2 is one of the tightest games ever uh yes there's like a few puzzles at the start and they're fun to solve but then the more puzzles you solve the more the game narrows and it just funnels you down uh to this ending uh and i think that structure is excellent i think they they made the right yeah. they made the right call doing that uh one of the best games uh, and the three begins and you're like okay now you have to you can't even just find ammo you have to uh, to, to craft it now in the stupid ammo crafting situation um well the thing the thing about resident evil 3 uh the original is after you get done with the city part it just turns into another linear resident evil game yeah but i was still in the city part i'm like it's, i'm just doing the same thing but like the distance yes. between save rooms is longer the distance between everything is long. like instead of it yes. being i'm going to the next room to get a thing it's i'm going down this alleyway into a small th- house that has a thing that i have to take back yes. here and i just don't think the expansion of space adds much beyond some fun spectacles sometimes there are things I do like about it. I think like it's a game where Jill starts the machine gun, right? Yes. And she has a perfect dodge. Like if, if a zombie goes to bite you and you hit like the back, like the, the, the back step button at the same time, you will perfectly uh, like do a like roll and avoid the enemies. And like putting those kind of action game elements into Resident Evil, I think is really interesting. Um, back even on the PlayStation. I think mm-hmm. that stuff's kind of cool. Um, I think there's cool. I think there's like, neat ideas there. I think the Resident Evil 3 um original doesn't have a story that works very well i think the branching paths end up like 
there's like there's plenty of times you can do stuff out of order in like one order you'll hang out with carlos and one order you'll hang out with mikhail who's like the clearly evil guy who sucks and if you just see the mikhail story or if you like mix and match it's just not as good of a video game and uh taking that stuff out in three remake i think is smarter because they're telling a coherent story about jill valentine deciding to trust the one idiot soldier who umbrella hired who doesn't realize he's working for the bad guys <laughs> mm-hmm Everyone's working for the bad guys. I haven't even set up Chris Redfield's yeah. uh, organization yet. So literally everyone at all times is working for the bad guys, including the heroes. Yes. It's not until um, BSAA gets involved. So Resident Evil 7. Yes. I didn't think I was ever going to play this game because it seemed too scary. It's pretty and scary. I think the, first, the first bit is very scary. <laughs> When yes. you're just like when Jack's chasing around and stuff. I'd, so I like what I did was I watched a compilation of all jump scares in Resident Evil 7 just to like get it out of my system. Be like, these are the things when I know I'm in this hallway, this thing's going to come bursting to the wall and I won't feel bad. Cause my problem is if I get jump scared too bad, I don't enjoy it. I just feel like unpleasant and stressed. And I got to stop doing what I'm doing. Yes. Um, and with that done uh, and playing on easy <laughs> um, Resident Evil 7 ended up being pretty approachable uh, because ultimately uh, it's a Resident Evil game. You get a shotgun. And the minute you get a shotgun in a Resident Evil game, um, half of the peril escapes because if something goes boo at you, you hit it with shotgun shawls until it stops moving. It's really <laughs> easy. It's very straightforward. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, that's especially true in 7, which is a game that uh, starts with like unkillable boss monsters chasing you around a house and then quickly devolves into three enemy types slowly lumbering at you forever. Um because that game has very low enemy density and feels you get to the boat, the fucking boat. Jackson was on a call with me in the boat. Just like I was asking for help. Cause I was annoyed. Like, where do I find the crank? I missed what, Oh, it's on the third floor. I got to climb up to the third floor and I have, go back down to the first floor and open this optional area. So I get some grenade shells and <laughs> I've obviously not played resident evil seven. So I'm just like on the other end of the line. Like it's, you know, the, I'm the operator from the matrix. Like, okay, yeah. We're doing, up. we're doing a, well, give know, me an don't, exit. Don't give stop me an talking exit. Or everyone explodes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We are literally doing. <laughs> that's what everyone explodes. I'm like, uh, okay, yeah. So it's it says here that it's next to like a thing, and you're like, what? What thing? Like, okay, so you're like, there's a door that's apparently opposite a uh, chest with uh, you know ammo in it. Oh, I found that. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. So go here. <laughs> uh, helped you navigate that fucking boat. Yeah. Um, and then it finished, and it was fine. Whatever. It has a very like. <laughs> slapdash final boss where you shoot a big face and then it's all like a cutscene where you just have to fire a gun and you can't even move you're like immobile like you're on the ground and then you're held up in the air and you can't do anything other than fire at the boss until a cutscene plays uh and you're like man they, this thing came in hot or is just like didn't have the budget or i don't know what but it's a mess um and then i played the resident evil 7 dlc um which is extraordinary if you have not played the 7 dlc I highly recommend going back when it's on sale, uh, getting up the gold edition. I like I got the big seven, eight pack with all the DLCs and it was like $30 for the whole thing. Uh, that's how I ended up doing all this. Um, and the uh, the seven DLC, the first thing is like a bunch of shorts. Uh, one of them is like a wave based survival mode in the basement. That's not very interesting. Um, but then there's like this like stealth puzzle where you're the guy who like with the ghost hunters at the original part of the game was captured by the the, the mom character and she's got you chained up in bed and she's trying to bring you like the gross food because if you eat it you'll turn into one of the family she wants to turn this guy into one of the family and she'll set the food down and then you like grab the fork and you undo your 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 arms are like tied to the bed frame and you undo that and you can escape into the house 
are into the room and in the room there's like all these different puzzles to try to get out of the room itself and once you do a certain number of them you like make a big noise and she comes back and you have to get back into bed and like strap yourself down and pretend you have to set everything back how it used to be and set yourself into bed and pretend like you've been captured and she'll come in and she'll be like what's going on i heard something and she brings you more food because you're not eating any of it and you gotta do it again and there's like these multiple like escalating points of doing this like stealth puzzle where you always have to put everything back and then remember how it was and then come back into bed because if anything's different she'll know and attack you and it's really interesting that's so I weird that's so like yes cool I, I didn't realize they were getting that experimental with it in the dlcs yeah um and then one of the other dlcs is uh, that same guy way later um who's in a saw contraption um that the uh the guy who does the saw contraptions his name escapes me now um What's that guy's name? Jigsaw. The, the... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I want to remember because he's really important for the um, the next part of the uh, Lucas. Lucas, the, the son. Um, so you and the other guy who was captured, the, the ghost hunter guys, are in on on a, like a poker table. Like just like a normal ass like dealing cards table. And you're both hooked up to these like bear trap contraptions that are going to like cut off your fingers. And you're betting in a game of blackjack against the other person. And it's just set up. It's just like a game of blackjack. But uh, you play it and you're betting your fingers and you have to win before you lose your hand, basically. And you have to beat the other guy and watch his hand get all mangled and lose his fingers. Um, And then that ends. And it's the same thing now. But you have like there's like a saw that's spinning, like coming at one of you like as you go back and forth on like a set amount of like currency, it's like whoever gets to 30 points wins. The saw is going towards the person who's in debt past the 15 point. Like at 15, the saw is in the middle of the table and it just like drifts towards each of you like running. And there's a bunch of dialogue of you and this guy playing this game and you get like different powers that you can expend. So like, Oh, I don't like this card. So I'm going to discard this card or I'm going to make my opponent lose the last power he played sort of stuff. And it's just this weird fucked up night. The inventory saw, blackjack game and it's really interesting and weird it's like not very long but i thought it was really neat um, that's so weird i didn't expect any of that to be in resident evil yeah then we get to the big dlc so the chris dlc um which was not made by capcom right you, you'd look this up for me um, uh yeah i mean capcom did like help out on it like it got delayed and they had to come in and fix it i had to be yeah. like, suppose they had a but it, was by, it was by hexadrive right hexadrive are the with the lead on it yeah um, so this is like this is chris um literally at the end like right as resident evil 7 ends they're like oh we need to go get lucas he's the one guy who didn't you didn't have a boss fight with so we need to go find him and you go kind of backwards through the last part of the game as chris um and even more monsters will come up now and you go into a different area and it ends up being this like hour-long like metroidvania but in the framework of resident evil where um chris has like his like special ops call of duty helmet which has like a tactical hud that shows areas like it's metroid prime and you you're in this like little hub and it spokes off in three different ways and then there's the big boss door and you go down one spoke and it's like oh it's too dark in here i can't see and so i have to turn back you go on one spoke it's like oh there's all these spores and i can't breathe so you get on the third spoke and you get like a breather that allows you to go further into this area because they kept going and you run into guys you can't kill you're like oh i need new ammo go down the other path you're like oh i got the spore breathing go down that path and down there you get ammo that can kill those guys um and then if you go back the other way you'll you'll be like okay uh, i can get the night vision goggles and i go to the third path the night vision goggles and explore that as you get pieces together to unlock the big boss door then you fight a boss it's like i said it's about an hour long it was just a really neat experiment and like can resident evil support something so lock and key 
in this like Resident Evil 7's framework support a lock and key thing like this. And it it does. I think it's really neat. Um, I wouldn't want I don't think I'd want to play like an eight hour game of it, but I had a great time for an hour. Um, mm-hmm. Formal experiments of these DLCs are really good. And then there's End of Zoe, which is the final DLC, um, which is about uh, the ba- the member of the Baker family you never saw, uh, who is Joe Baker, who is the, the brother of the, the dad. Um, and he uh, so at the, the, the big choice point in Resident Evil 7 is you get one vaccine. You got to give it to either Mia or Zoe. And Mia's your, you know, girlfriend. And so you're going to give it to her. And Zoe's the lady who's been helping you out. And you could give it to her, but you probably won't. Um, and this offer operates on the idea you didn't give it to her. Um, no one gives it to her. It's not like yeah. a choice. It's, it's like one of them is clearly canon. The other one is a there thing. There is an ending. Do. But yes, it's clearly yes. canon that you give it to Mia. Um, and so she like just like gives up and lets the mold consume her and instead of turning her into a mold monster or whatever it turns her into like a fucking crystalline anime lady <laughs> um oh i got i got the women disease variants have, have you uh look up end of zoe it's like zoe end of zoe and see if yes, you can I'm find saying if like her. having to put oh my god she's oh and it's just like over her breasts but like her shoulders yeah, are like, out. It, like this is like consumed her clothes so she's just like she's just on full like lacy mode right like, yes she's literally like a tragic crystal wave yeah anyway um the umbrella guys are here from the end of resident evil or sorry the yes they are the blue umbrella blue guys umbrella from the end of blue yes. umbrella resident evil's just like a little glimmer of light at the end of like oh you've had all this fucking shit with the baker family and ethan and my hands falling off and the mold and whatever and i'm sure that's fine but it's not fucking resident evil and then chris redfield just shows up at the end out of nowhere bringing it's in like i work for blue umbrella the, the, we've been hired i'm a bsa agent but i've been hired by blue umbrella to work with them because they're trying to right the wrongs of umbrella in this one part of louisiana um, and you're like oh it's i'll give me a drop please please what a sweet job of resident evil please oh uh, anyway so this is so joe's thing is he he has like he has like a necklace of like a peace sign or whatever he he looks like he's like one of those classic american caricatures of a vietnam vet who just like ran away from society after the vietnam war even though the timeline doesn't really work out for him to be that he he would not be he's too old right like timeline doesn't work but that's the character they're playing and his whole thing is since he's like a backwaters like guy who doesn't want to take any gruff from anybody um he doesn't have weapons and you it it is a left trigger right trigger is your two fists melee the mold like action game (laughs) and for 90 minutes you are going around um trying to find zoe because this monster keeps grabbing this like swamp thing looking monster uh the the blue umbrella is here fucking everything up there's the mold still and you are just increasingly doing wrestling moves on the, the molded as you go through this this swampy environment, like there's a bit where you got to go through all the big swamp areas and there's alligators and you can craft spears to like kill the alligators before they come and grab you because meleeing an alligator is a really bad idea. Um, and uh, the boss fights are all like clearly they got two professional wrestlers in to mocap a bunch of wrestling moves as you and the swamp thing just like knock the stuffing out of each other doing like suplexes and power bombs. Uh, it's fucking incredible. It's so much fun. It's very silly. Um, it's a great catharsis after Resident Evil 7 being like the creepy hallway kind of game is you just a motherfucker who punches guys. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was, I was, thought it was so good. It, it, I was so high on Resident Evil 7 after playing End of Zoe. It seems ridiculous. The two like divergent ways they take the end of that game and they're all like turning up the power fantasy. Yes. Because um, I mean at the, like... At the, at... Oh, go ahead. Just like that game is sold on being a 
we put this in VR. It's scary horror reaction videos. It's the mid 2010s. Yes. Um, and then the final content they release is put all the keys in the door to fight the big guy. And if you punch your wrestling moves hard enough, you can save the crystal lady. Yes. <laughs> like There's a bit of the, so at the end of that, you fight the, you, you finally kill the big final boss swamp thing or whatever you get Zoe, you get the, you get the vaccine injected into her. So she's no longer crystal lady. Chris Redfield comes in and she's like, thank you for rescuing me. He's like, I'm not the one you have to thank and hands her a phone. And it's fucking Ethan Winters being like, I told you I'd get send some help. <laughs> I promised I'd save you. And I did. She's like, oh, Ethan Winters, you're the protagonist of the video game. Resident Evil 7. Uh, Chris, you actually <laughs> saved her. <laughs> well, honestly, uh, fucking Joe Baker here saved her as he punched a swamp thing to death. <laughs> well, that's true. But it is really funny that they tie it back into Ethan Winters making good on his promise that he left her on the dock to die, that he was actually going to send help. Um, and everyone's very grateful about Ethan Winters' cool guy, which leads us directly into Resident Evil Village. <laughs> uh, that's so true, it does. So Resident Evil Village is a game I haven't obviously played. I haven't played any most of these games other than the early Resident Evil games. Um, but I remember when Village came out, everyone really liked it because it was like trying to turn seven, which is a... Uh, game that was well liked for being a return to horror uh even though i feel like that's just a lie or not that game is a horror the part of the lie is like old resident evil was never scary in the way that seven is at the start right like that's actually a brand new thing for resident evil it was never like that the old games aren't that scary uh and that specific aesthetic of of horror is definitely something that was never in resident evil before but it was portrayed as a return after like oh it got too wacky with six or whatever and and punching boulders in five uh even though these are actually radically different aesthetic eras all of them Mm -hmm. uh and then and even the people like seven yeah pretty much everyone thinks the back half is like much worse yes um no one likes the boat (laughs) and no one's ever said about resident evil seven wow what a great feeling shooter yeah. Um, so Resident Evil 8 tries to like bridge yes. the two worlds to have a first person game that is so spooky in that way, uh, but does play like Resident Evil like we want. And what they end up making is basically Resident Evil 4 again in yeah. a lot of ways. But instead um, you're in first person, so you can't even dodge properly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, I mostly so I, I like Resident Evil 8. I think it's like a pretty good video game to play but it doesn't have the like singular moments where i go wow that was fucking cool in the same way that i did about like some of the stuff in seven even though i think seven's a worse game overall uh, mm-hmm. or like three remake um eight just and this is my thing i'm not a huge resident Evil four person i never have but i think it's like a good game i understand its place and culture and why it's important and i've enjoyed it i've played through it multiple times haven't played the remake yet someday um but I've never vibed with it the way people really like four more than everything else. Like my favorite Resident Evil is Code Veronica, right? Like I want with the fucking weird shit. Um, and there just isn't that much weird shit in Resident Evil 8. It like I like it when it's a game about going back to the village in between your big boss sequences and having one new ability so you can scour the town and unlock all the doors you haven't unlocked before because you have a new key and like a, a new uh, key item to plug into stuff. And that part's neat. I really like that. Um I think some of the bosses are pretty cool. Um, they would be better if you had a dodge. That's for damn sure. Um, but also there's no quick time events. So, you know, take one, lose the other. <laughs> well, yes, that is the one part of Resident Evil 4 that's like, damn, really? Yeah. Uh, I love that the, re- um, uh, the re-releases of um, 5 and 6 just have it in a menu. Like, please, auto-complete every quick time event for me. Cheers and thank you. That's great. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I ended up liking Resident Evil 8 well enough, but I, the things I ended up liking were like more of like the vibe and the story and the weird shit around that than like the actual game. The game's fine, but um, 
it just doesn't hit. I don't know. For some reason, I just I'm like I'm not even like down on it. I just think it's a lesser game than the other ones I played. Um, but I I think it's like really well made. I think it's probably the like best best made of these other than probably two remake. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my the things I like about Resident Evil are not when it is a slick game that is well considered in all angles. Yeah, I mean that that's what I took from Villagers. Like it's a very frictionless game, very all approachable, good ride. Yes, yes. Uh, but it does so like story wise. Uh, the thing I knew about it before you played it in, um, and like explain some more specifics, but the thing I know is that like you, you got four guys to kill, right? And you kill four guys. Uh, yes. and then at the point where you think, Oh, it's time to fight the final guy. Ethan gets kind of captured by the mold. Uh, and it just hard cuts to Call of Duty level opening. Chris Redfield jumps out of a truck. <laughs> it's not even because Ethan gets his heart torn out and is presumed okay. dead by all characters. I didn't realize he goes heart torn out. That's really funny. Do, is he, pres- I mean, by the, is he, do they? Because they've already been killing him in so many, like they've been cutting off every one of his limbs in so many ridiculous ways. Like Ethan, no, getting no, no. Fucked up. Chris Redfield shows up and gets a call on the radio. It's like oh, we found Ethan Winters. He's dead. Can't can't get the body for plot reasons, but he's definitely dead. And Chris is like, "Damn, I gotta rescue Mia and get out of here and get, maybe get the baby back and uh, blow this whole place up by myself." And then you do a whole Chris Redfield sequence, which is just like you calling down fucking airstrikes with yes. your airstrike laser gun. It's ludicrous. That's the bit I've seen of like you just load up into Chris Redfield and he has every gun ever, and you can blow <laughs> shit up with a, like a remote control. Uh, just ridiculous levels of catharsis that uh, it seems crazy. Um, yeah i mean the, the other thing is that obviously this game opens with one of the funniest cutscenes in video game history oh, it's so fucking funny it's not even knowing all the parts of it why it's the way it is still it's still hilarious which is you and so ethan and mia moved to europe on chris's behest and ethan's got uh military training now that's why he's an action man again uh for real this time and you had a kid and you're just settling into life here and you're, you're celebrating your daughter's half year anniversary and you're about to sit down to a nice dinner when the lights cut out and Chris Redfield's blue umbrella agent shoot the fuck out of your wife in front of you. And Chris Redfield walks up and puts seven more in her head to be sure. The way he walks up, looks at you and then like pop, 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 pop. It's so funny. It's so funny. And then kidnaps your baby and drags you out like black bagged, ready to go to a secret site. And then you wake up and the, the truck's been attacked by other people and has been overturned in this weird village. And you don't know where your baby is. And you don't know what's going on. And Chris doesn't show up to explain it to you for another seven hours. And your idea is just Chris Redfield, the hero of Resident Evil, murdered your wife and stole your child. It's so fucking funny. And everyone knows, like, because everyone playing it has a brain, right? So they know, well, Chris Redford has a reason to do this. But then you start going in your head and you think, like, well, the reason must be that, like, my my wife must be, like, a mold agent sent to kill me or something. You know, these yes. things, it's not technically that, but there are, there are things going on in that vein of, like, I had to take out your wife uh, because it was actually a plot by the other guys. Um, yes. And none of them really explain why he can't just turn to Ethan and go... Just letting you know, that's so not when your you, wife. When you, get to the, when you get to the Chris section on the radio, one of his like Call of Duty squad members, who all have like Call of Duty squad name, member names, goes, "You really should have told him, sir. Now he's dead. You'll never be able to tell him." We <laughs> thought his wife. We, we knew his wife was a double agent, and Chris is like, "We thought he might be compromised. We couldn't risk it. He might attack us. He's Ethan Winters. He's a he's a protagonist. He's got crazy protagonist powers. Uh, we couldn't let him know that we were aware of him. And so I took the risk. And maybe it was the wrong choice, but I'm Chris Redfield. And I'm the guy who makes the hard choices." Is he? It has that until that point being Chris Redfield's character. Yeah. 
Like, it, like I don't know, because I've, I've played Resident Evil and 2, and I've played 4. I mean, yes, in 6, he is absolutely this guy. Okay, so this, this, is, this, is, this comes in from 5 and 6, then? Yeah. Because I know he's, like, an agent, but I didn't think he was, like, making the hard choices yeah. or... I don't know how high up the chain he is, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so, the, uh, the actual thing about the end of Resident Evil 8 has nothing to do with Ethan Winters. It has to do with the Chris Redfield stuff. So, uh, you don't care if I spoil the end of Resident Evil 8. No, right? please go ahead. So, you're you, when you're in Chris Redfield time, about to attack the big giant mold creature that is like risen up over the village, um, the BSAA show up. And they're dropping guys. And you're like, they're fucking spoiling her up. We're a blue umbrella op and BSAA are here. And that's really weird. And he, then the rest of the game happens. Ethan's alive again. And he comes and fights final boss. And then he well, dies for real. This can time. I, before you actually reveal, can I make some predictions just based on the setup? Yeah. Uh, is BSAA compromised? Is that where this is going? So you get, you get into the, you get into the helicopter and Mia's there. You rescued Mia and she's got Rose and your guys are there. And your guys like, Chris, you need to look at this as like the, the town's been nuked and you're flying away from the nuke town. And He's like, these BSA guys, they're not BSA guys, they're bioweapons, and pulls off the sheet, and it's a it's a zombie in a soldier outfit. Let's fucking go! <laughs> and Chris is like, I need to get to BSA Europe right away. Okay, so I had seen tweets alluding to, like, re- the, 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 the Resident Evil leaker, the Dust Golem, the guy who was always leaking Resident Evil stuff, and he's always yes. tweeted real coy, like, Resident Evil 9's been in development since, like, 2018. It's, like, the most ambitious game yet, and it's, like, part of law they set up in seven and eight they're gonna pay off somehow but it's not the ethan winter stuff and everyone's like oh what could that possibly be i didn't realize that he was clearly talking about the most direct sequel bait that's ever been put in a video game by anyone <laughs> yes chris redfield having to destroy the thing he created because they're now using zombies as soldiers uh i need to get, I need to get caught up for that they're bringing it's finally happening they're bringing resident evil back <laughs> i hope god i really hope they have to because it's fucking the bsaa and they've yeah. got zombies and soldiers and I mean, I assume it'll just be uh, Chris goes and does that and probably runs into Leon uh, is my guess to see how they do that. But they sh- everyone yes. should be here. It's everyone's yes. time. Bring everyone back. Yeah. Um, anyway, then I played the DLC for eight, which uh, is so it, it's forced third person, um, but in the engine and they added third person to uh, eight at some point. Uh, but I looked at video of someone playing in third person. I was like, no, this is not it. This is not actually play like the remakes the way you'd want. Um because, you know, it can't. It's just a camera change. Yeah. Um, but it's forced third person. It's way more like survival horror in that for the first like half of the DLC, you don't even have guns. You just have like a power that allows you to like stun enemies and like remove obstacles as you go through repurposed levels from the game Resident Evil 8. You have You're playing like as Rose in the future. She's a teenager. Yeah. Basically, Rose has to go into the memory of the mycelial monster that's like the villain of all these games. And she has to get some information because she doesn't want her psychic powers anymore. And if she gets the thing at the end of the mycelial memory, she can remove her powers from herself. There's Um, only one plot you can do with mold. (laughs) And in the mold is everyone who's died around the mold. So all the people who died in Resident Evil 8, including Ethan Winters, who is the glowing text talking to you as you go through the area. Um like helping you out he's like i'm your guardian he's it's like she's like are you my guardian angel he's like yeah you could say that it's like what's your name is it gabriel michael and he's like let's go with michael um and so she doesn't really know who he is for most of it and you go through all the zones of resident evil seven or eight again um and uh you go, like you you do the whole like dollhouse but this time this is the part though the dollhouse bit so i think this is deeply mid as a dlc i think it's like mostly really boring not very uh interesting story-wise because it, it literally ends with the same cutscene that ends resident evil 8 of rose in the future visiting ethan's grave nothing new no happens. new context no like here's 60 year old chris there's no 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 yeah, things you all want you, all you know is before that moment she thought about getting rid of her powers and then didn't 
and you have some more idea of what her powers are, which are whatever psychic powers basically. Um, but there's a bit when you go into the, what would have been the, the big, uh, big baby and then the, the dolls. Um, and instead it's the Mia mannequin that you have to cut open in, uh, the, the full game, um, just starts like showing up standing in places when you walk by it and just like not moving, standing there. And the moment you put in the fuse where in the original game, the big baby shows up and it gets dark. Um, instead you walk into you get, you see a sign that's like, uh, don't turn away. Uh, and you're like, oh, okay, we're going to do weeping angels, whatever. And you walk into the next room and the Mia mannequins there and her eyes are glowing. Um, and you're like, okay, I'm just not going to look at it. And you go into the next room and then you hear it, the mannequin moving mannequin wise. And you turn her back around. She's like, well, the horrible creeping weeping angels. I hate that shit. I need to stop it by turning around. Um, the, the difference with these is you see them move, which is not the way the weeping angels work. We're like, it only stops moving when it makes eye contact with your character, which means as you move into the next room and turn around, you will see it like jerkily mannequin wise, walk into the hallway, see you and freeze. Yeah. And it's horrifying. It's specifically like, uh, what if a person, like if you were a person and you had to never move when someone was looking at you, but they designed it in a way where it like accounts for that reaction time, basically. Yes. And so yes. you always see the last jitter of movement or you see it just poke around the door. Uh, you sent me yes. a clip of this and I was like, that's fucking terrifying. Jesus Christ. It is, it is the worst, uh, is the scariest part of all of these games. It was, it, it was horrifying. And so you, you go through the whole section again, it's basically set the exact same way. Um, but as you go, there are more and more of them to the point there's like three of them. So the thing that happens is like, you turn you turn back around the corner to stop them and one of them like stops in the doorway and then the next one like peeks like you know because they have their physics objects in the game like runs into it and pushes it further into the hallway and then it freezes and then behind it pushes the and they're all frozen just like moved to statues as they like get shoved around by the physics and it's just creepy and fucked up i hate it i hate it so much it's it was so, miserable it's so uncomfortable yeah um, yeah you sent it to me i was like ah no thank you ah Anyway, it gets really dumb and then Ethan really shows up, but they still cut away from his face, even though that like clearly they just use the model that everyone knows. What he, if you Google Ethan Winter's face, you can just see the model that they use, obviously. He has a face. Um, it's just his face. He's just a blonde guy, yes. he's a normal guy. There's Ethan even a Winter. bit where he where you talk to him and he's like and she's like, I'm really glad we got this chance to talk face to face as the camera's carefully cutting around, revealing his face. You're like, Oh, they know what they're doing. They're doing this as a bit. They um, should have stopped the bit. There there's the it's specifically the scene at the end where like he's talking to Chris and it's a third person cutscene, and it's like Ethan's big dramatic sacrifice literally about to die still doesn't just show his face guys no no you can buy like in that game you can buy character models and like view them in the character model viewer and ethan's face just has like a dark shadow over it whatever you do yeah i know that like you can somehow freeze the camera and see his face in the um third person version but i yes. think they try to like they do everything they're in their power to uh make sure the camera doesn't focus on his face i, I don't know why this is the, their funny bit uh they've settled on um because at the start it's like oh he's just an every man in the in seven and so you can relate to him more uh and that's why that game is set. like i understand the initial premise behind Ethan winter and why he doesn't have a face there but by the, the time of eight where he's the special mold man uh in the middle of chris redfield's ludicrous blue umbrella conspiracy at that point i'm like why have we why are you insisting on holding to this bit what does yeah. it bring you but they they do they truly commit um, anyway, uh, the rest of the DLC is not remarkable. Um, and I didn't really like it, um, is the problem and, uh, kind of left a sour taste in my mouth, even though I mostly enjoyed village. Um, I also just don't think Rose is like 
I don't think they're going to go with her as like the protagonist of Resident Evil, but people, some people are like, oh, she's going to be the next main character. Um, and I'm like, Sherry Birkin exists, thank you, and is basically this character already. She doesn't have the like mold psychic powers, but she is someone who lived through getting infected by a virus and now runs around with Wesker's kid who also has been infected with 800 viruses. And you could give them any powers you wanted in the next game and no one would bat an eye because they've been, it gave, it gave Wesker matrix power, literal matrix powers. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, well, Chris has to go recruit them because BSAA has been compromised by zombie soldiers. Yeah, I guess. Um, I just saying that the, the end, the end of the day, you've already got these characters and they pre-exist. and Sherry Birkin is more interesting to me than Rose Winters. Uh, sorry. I mean, I wish I liked Rose more. I just don't think that DLC does her any favors as like the new protagonist. Mm -hmm. And I want to see Chris finish the plot of Resident Evil by blowing up the BSA or whatever. <laughs> finish the fight. I'm, I'm so yeah. ready. I hope I get caught up for that because, uh, that sounds dumb as fuck. There's two things I want to yeah. get caught up for. It's that and the movie that's coming out that is everyone fighting. I think it's like set 2016, right before seven. Yes. Yeah. Because um, they still jangle their keys like, oh, we still remember Resident Evil. You know, all those characters that you remember and yeah. Umbrella, all this shit. Uh, I didn't realize that they've been like seeding <laughs> in the background of these completely unrelated games that are trying to like, you know, move away from the ludicrous plot that resident evil had that kind of uh backfired in six because no one liked six in oh the lore the lore stuff in the end of eight that i didn't really talk about is like the mold when the mold was discovered in this village like a hundred years ago uh osmond spencer of the spencer mansion visited here and this is where he got the idea to discover like try to find like biological ways to extend human life wait so <laughs> it's actually the origin story of all resident evil is this yes. village yes um but his plan was to go to africa to find the mother virus or whatever because that's all happened five like, yeah. yeah um stupid <laughs> i didn't realize it backfield so wait so you're telling me that they could there is a plausible there, there is a plausible way to set it up that all of resident evil was secretly like uh masterminded by like the duke what if the duke was immortal and told Spencer <laughs> um so the only reason that doesn't work is the duke is in rose's mycelial memory okay. in the dlc which implies the duke died when the whole village blew up but you never see it it's just it's kind of confusing that way huh okay because um i know that he's like they're doing the stranger thing, but he's too specifically connected to events there and has like too much intent yeah. to like, because playing Resident Evil 8, I was like, the Duke gives you a map and basically is like bump off all the guys who rule this place and then, and sell me all their goods when you do. And, and I'm like, are they setting this up for the Duke is like doing an obvious villain who is your helper guy who turns out to be the mastermind? And no, absolutely not. But you never hear what happens at the end of the Duke. Like that whole village gets nuked out off the planet and you never hear what happens to the Duke. And the next time you see him is in the Masilla memory and you is told to you that the only things in the mysterious memory are people who die next to the mold. Yeah, so been you, like you can imply that he's dead by the yes. mold. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but he so probably wasn't around a hundred years ago to lead um, Spencer no. on this quest. But if if somehow they reveal that the Duke is Osmond Spencer somehow, who's been living for oh shit, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. I don't think that's what they're doing, but. That'd be so funny. Man, the Duke stuff is vile, though. I fucking hate yes. it. What a like, gross character. Everyone knows this. Specifically, we are talking about him as like, they made this awful fat character that they think is just a funny, goofy guy because they hate fat people or whatever. Yes. Uh, and we're like, well, what if he had like actual motivations and was interesting? And they go, no. 
what no. if he was just like fat and went, Ooh, I'm buying your stuff from you. Yeah. Um, awful. Yep. Th- thanks Capcom for that. Yeah. It's fine. I think the seven DLC is a real high point. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this new Resident Evil, I expected it to not be my thing at all. I ended up really enjoying my time with it and they're all really short. That's the secret. Even Resident Evil eight and its DLC put together was like 10 hours. You can't beat that. Well, Resident Evil four is like 16. Cause they still have to, I know, I know, know. it's, they've they've cut it down a little but it's still Resident Evil 4 yeah the longest game in the world Resident Evil 4 is not these games need to be shorter uh yeah they they Capcom have figured it out you make a game that's like fun it has a bunch of challenge options if you want to replay it on New Game Plus but you can beat it in a weekend that's the ideal let me let me finish a game in a weekend I'll play way more AAA video games if they were all just like doable you say Capcom has figured it out but we looked this up we went to look at like the development history (laughs) of these games and it was like Capcom after 6 and they they do this every time because there's like like every time they release one of these games there's like some terrible fucking shooter attached to it with a bunch of microtransactions that no one ever plays Uh, it was like they really wanted seven to be a live game with constant microtransactions. And then there was this producer that came in who's like the head of, uh, let me go look it up specifically, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, but he's like the head of like Capcom's production division one, essentially. Uh, I can't find the name. I'll be in the development uh, place somewhere. Um, and uh, he was like... Uh, <laughs> No, this has to be like a real game that we that we sell and doesn't put microtransactions in them. Uh, yes, according to Jun Takechi, the hypes in Capcom wanted Seven to be a live service game with online multiplayer and, uh, and uh, uh, microtransactions. This was putting pressure on the development team until uh, Takeuchi was asked to join the project and he scrapped those plans. Uh, which is like essentially, as I look at the games that he's produced, right, uh, in that he produced, he came in as the head of the studio and the exit producer on uh seven on village on two on three and four uh and is seemingly single-handedly keeping these games from turning into every other bad video game uh because they all sell 10 million copies <laughs> and presumably the second that goes away then it's coming it's coming for resident evil but hopefully we can get through nine before that comes yeah uh here's hoping i'm i'm now out i could go play uh revelations i have those um, I'm not playing five because uh, well, I'm I'm slowly working through an LP of five, and that seems like the most dire video game ever made. Um, might play for a remake when it's on sale for twenty dollars or less. That's it. I'm done. Um, before we finish this podcast, then I need uh, your uh, one to eight Resident Evil rankings. Let's go. Okay, but this, um, <laughs> you, but not the remakes. I guess. I mean, hmm. which remakes do you? I guess it becomes harder because, like, do you include? 2003 remake do you include but then you have to include all the remakes and it comes confusing there uh so i don't know the best way to do this but i here's what i'm you know what? i'm just gonna ask you some direct questions i assume five is at the bottom just given from you haven't you never played i haven't it finished it and i haven't actually it. played it yes. uh but yes of the games i've played zero is at the bottom okay so zero is probably at the bottom yeah um then what's next? I mean, you you like most of them. You generally big Resident Evil fan. Yeah, I think here's the wor- here's the here's the thing, and people are going to be like, "Is it four? It's either the original one or four. Okay, next, yeah. Uh, but like, I'm not huge. Resident Evil Four is one of the best games of its de- decade. It is a genre defining game for a reason. It's just not as good as the other ones to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't need to argue about it. I know yeah. Resident Evil Four is a masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> I- uh, I think you undersell it sometimes, but I get it. I get how you were the Code Veronica fan and you betrayed. 
Yeah. Um. Oh. I'm looking. So, like, top is Code Veronica, then Remake, probably still. Then I'd say probably say RE2, then Remake 3, mm-hmm. then Remake 2, then 3, then the 7 DLC if I get to break it out. <laughs> yes. Um. Then 8, then 7, Um. then Resident Evil, then Resident Evil 4, then Resident Evil 0. You didn't say 6. Oh, 6. 6 probably goes... 6 probably goes right above Resident Evil 1 PlayStation. Okay. I don't love it. I, it's like a, I think it's really interesting, but it's like, you a love to consider Sherry yes. and Jake, uh, but it's you like don't a really, it, it, yeah. The problem with that game is there, there's four campaigns and there's two campaigns worth of levels. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's like really call of duty brained about it. There's so many like, Oh, oh hold up here with the, as 600 zombies pour in for like uh, three minutes that you can move on. It's like, Oh, I hate playing this kind of game. I hate 2012. I hate 2012. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Resident Evil's in a really good place and, uh, I continue to be excited for it. So it's nice to be back. The thing is, uh, before these podcasts even started way back in the day, I was just a Resident Evil weirdo, uh, way more than I was like a Metal Gear weirdo. And it's nice to be kind of back a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, Metal Gear doesn't exist anymore. So I guess Resident Evil is technically doing better than Metal Gear. Being like William Birkin two is one of the greatest bosses in all of video games. I'm one of those weirdos. Uh, yes. (laughs) It's. I would not say William Birkin Two is one of the greatest bosses in all the video games. <laughs> I think I, I like the bosses in Resident Evil Two just fine, but they're fine. Like that's a game that works on momentum. I'm I not, mostly like, mean as a design, but yes. Like, you, oh, I okay. Understand. Yes. Yeah. Like, he's just like a weird. It's like what if the tyrant, but now he's got like fucking weird flesh arms that kind of evoke wings, but aren't wings. It's just a cool vibe. I think it's. That's all. We're gonna uh, talk about PlayStation boss fights. We're going to Vulcan Raven. Oh, a giant and a shaman. Yeah, a giant and a shaman. Because <laughs> a giant shaman, even though it's more correct, it's just not what he says. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway. anyway, this is the end of this because uh, I need lunch really badly. It's now late. We've gone long. Thank you for listening to this very goofy uh, neural mapping. Um, if you're if you're listening to this new, uh, you have a day to send questions for Chrono Cross because <laughs> tomorrow morning we'll be recording our Chrono Cross episode. Uh, we've already put out a call and everything, but uh, look forward to that in a couple days. And if you're listening to this any other time other than uh, Friday, May 26th, uh, please check out our Chrono Cross episode that's already out. Uh, yes. Well, you could be listening on Sunday when oh, the yeah, episode yeah. is recorded, Sorry. but not out. Yes, the episode will be out on the 29th, all things normal nothing breaks or anything because i have a day off so i'll edit it and put it out then um but look forward to that i think it's gonna be good uh we've expunged all this there were even two games i didn't talk about because neve was like i could talk about both those games so i'm saving them for a segment one on the next abnormal mapping yeah don't get used to this you just went gamer no. mode this month and we broke it out i i literally think that my gamer mode broke by finishing resident evil running out i'm like thinking about movies again you so. run out of resident evil and also we watched tempo for repertory screenings and you're like damn movies yeah, movies. What about movies? Um, so thank you. Uh, where can people find you, Jackson? You can find me at headfallsoff on Twitter.com and also on co-hosts when Twitter.com goes down. Uh, and uh, you can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. A whole bunch of podcasts. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can find, uh, oh, you already said that. If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash mapping For $1 a month, you get the Great Gundam Project every Wednesday. Or we're watching Gun and Seed Destiny right now and Aura Battler Dunbine. We're almost done with that. Uh, it's been a long season of Seed. 
Uh, for five dollars, you get blockbusters where you watch a classic Hollywood movie, a big Hollywood movie. I, let's not say classic; that might be overselling it. And uh, talk about its themes and ideologies. And for ten dollars, you get VoIP Life, where we fuck off and read a bunch of lists and stuff. Our most recent episode was about uh, people's responses to Zelda and Star Wars ships. Yes, um, and we're not talking about Raylo. <laughs> I did that last time. The last time we sat and did a recording, that's what I said. And that was like, I'm oh, you mean 90 minutes ago? Yeah, I mean 90 I minutes like, ago. When we fucking... I was like, is Jackson going to take the bait and do the exact same joke again? I would have. No, but uh, then you just did it yourself. But I was like, yeah, oh, petulantly, my, my joke wasn't picked up. Oh, I'm going to do it then. Um, <laughs> so much if you like this, share it around. Uh, tell people about the podcast. Word of mouth is the only way people give a shit about us because we don't know any other way to sell it. Um, and if you liked it, share it. Um, that's it. We'll be back in a couple days. Amaro. Amaro. No, fuck off. No, you, you tricked me. Ah, goddammit. Goodbye. Goodbye.